When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. I want to thank Fly Racing, who uh, has been a promoter or supporter of our show, and they uh, have been personal sponsor of mine throughout the years as a uh, old, should have been retired long ago, <laughs> motocross racer. But don't let that stop you. The gear is fantastic, and I'm stoked to be a part of the Fly family. Uh, five years ago, Fly Racing's light hydrogen line was the true. The first true lightweight racewear to the market and the original gear line to define the minimalist lightweight category. So uh, they have a uh, the BOA system on the back of the pants. It's really it's a revolutionary waist adjustment system and it's on the fly uh, adjustability for a truly dialed in fit. I ensure I encourage everybody to uh, to go to flyracing.com. Tons of cool products that they have. They have hard parts. They have all kinds of stuff. And it's flyracing.com. Okay, we just finished up a conversation with Cole Seeley. And uh, now we go to our next guest, who is, I don't know if he likes being introduced to the son of Jim Neese, but we're going to go that way because uh, Jim's an old buddy of ours. Luke Neese joins us now, Supercross racer, just finished up in Daytona Supercross this past weekend. What's up, Luke? How are you? How you been? Hey, hey, how y'all doing, guys? Uh, doing pretty good. How's uh, everything in North Carolina? Are you, are you back up there? Or are you still down in Florida? Yeah, um, we got back Sunday night, and um, just uh, kind of wish I was still back in Florida. Um, <laughs> Stick around for uh, Spike Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely would have been better than here. The weather's not as good in, in North Carolina, or what? No, it's uh, it's cold, rainy, and wet. Um, definitely hard to ride in, in this type of uh, weather. So it looked like Daytona f- f- treated you pretty well. Talk about that. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good, actually. Um, I made my first main event, so um, that was definitely uh, really exciting for me, um, especially with all my, my family there and a bunch of friends and everything, too. Um, it was uh, definitely exciting, and hopefully I can do the same thing in Indy this weekend, too. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We were talking to Cole about this on the show uh, just, just before you came on about the sand sections in Supercross. We don't think they belong there. They keep doing it. It's, it doesn't make for good racing. What are your thoughts? Do you, uh, do you mind the sand sections as a rider? Uh, I mean, they're fun, um, but I don't like to get roosted, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of it. I, I like to stay clean. And I like to have my bike clean, too. So. <laughs> It just kind of upsets me that I uh, I have to destroy my my nice looking bike in the sand. Yeah, um, but I'm not I'm not a fan of it honestly. What are you riding, Luke? Uh, YZ250F. And uh, your I recognize some of your sponsors talk about that because uh, total control suspension, um, triangle cycles, kind of smells yeah. a lot like the old Jim Nees program. <laughs> Yeah, um, I have Triangle Cycles help me out a little bit, and then um, one of my main sponsors, uh, KS Trenchco. He's uh, he's actually an old buddy of my dad's. He's uh, he's an older guy, and um, 
he used to be a super fan of my dad and now he's helping me out and helping me with bikes and stuff too. Um, so he, he's been, uh, helping me out really well and I appreciate it a lot. The track in Daytona, um, in, uh, I was watching it from down where industry sheeting is to, as you go to the start, it's to your left there. And, uh, I was watching practice there and you guys, when you first started, you went out there for, and I think you were in the B practice. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was in B practice. Yep. So I, I watch you guys, and it took all of you a, a, a lap or two to get the triple, and then you go into those whoops, and man, you guys are blitzing them, and everything's great. And by the next time you come out for practice, it's a trench all the way through every one of them, like five trenches you had to choose. What's that like for you as as a guy that maybe you know not as much experience at a, a track like Daytona as as some of the guys you're racing with, or at least the guys in the A practice for certain. Yeah. That was that had to have been surprising yeah, it, to you. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely tough when it gets like that. Um, it was good that the whoops were small at the beginning, um, because I I've been really struggling with whoops, and um, I, I kind of liked how I got that gnarly because it, it's gnarly for all of us, and everyone was struggling with it too. And um, I, I think it kind of worked out in my favor a little bit when it got that gnarly. So, um, but I I didn't struggle too hard with them because uh, the ruts in them just got stupid gnarly and it wasn't really loose if you just went in the line there it was just flat almost but um it uh it, it was gnarly and it was hard to see the ruts because uh it's outside and everything and the lights aren't too great but the ruts were just pitch black but it it i liked it okay and they you you call them flat i would say they were flat but probably exactly foot peg deep if i was guessing uh, you're probably dragging your pegs through those ruts. How many seasons have you got in uh, in the Supercar Series now, Luke? Um, this is my first season, um, but I've done all the East Coast rounds except for Minneapolis. Um, we couldn't make it up to that one, just um, financial reasons, and uh, I wouldn't be able to come back home after that one to go to Texas. So, You're uh, leading up to this. Talk about what you've been doing in case – We've had you on the show before, but um, talk about your arena cross and, and the other stuff that you've done leading up to how you've become a supercross guy. Um, yeah, I last year I did uh, arena cross. I tried to get my points and everything, and I was at the end of the series I was two points shy. So um, at the beginning of this year, I had to go to Phoenix for the um, amateur arena cross or amateur supercross series, and um, I ended up doing pretty good there. I got second or no i got third sorry and uh ended up getting my two points uh to where i could get my pro license and everything and then um i've been training with uh seth rarick he's uh got a training program and we have a couple guys with us we have like brandon harrath jacob hayes Justin hill and uh, a couple other fast guys with us too and we've uh we've just been going out to uh practice tracks and everything and trying to find places to ride since it's too wet here um but we, we've been just kind of grinding it out all together and trying to get my first season under my belt and um, just kind of work out the flukes for this season. So this, the amateur Supercross he's talking about, we're calling it the Supercross Futures um, because that's what the promoter's calling it, Luke. Yeah. But uh, I'm just teasing. You actually – but that's a pretty good testimony to, to their program. I mean, you, you, you go and you race the amateur and you make your way through – and then here you are as a pro, you're racing, um, you know, on, on Saturday night. How different is the track 
on Sunday for the Supercross Futures, how team down is it compared to what the guys are racing or you guys are racing on Saturday night? Yeah, um, it the one I did, uh, not, it, it was like two track builders built it, kind of. It, it, uh, it was a little awkward. Um, the one side of the track was actually like, pretty legit like it, they kind of left the whole entire rhythm section from saturday night and then the other side was just kind of some flat doubles and stuff but i mean they took out the whoops and stuff but, i mean it, it it left for some good racing it was definitely kind of technical and then it went to the easy side so i mean i i, I kind of understand of how they have to they have to keep it tame for the amateurs and they can kind of build it up a little bit for the pros too but um it's uh it's definitely a little bit different than the actual pro night on Saturday. So I was talking to Mason Kerr, who's a uh, young Supercross guy. That's He's from Iowa here. He's a local kid. And he was there racing Saturday, and he missed it by two spots. And uh, he was talking about the, the track differences in Supercross versus Arena Cross, because he did Arena Cross last year and has done it for a couple years. And uh, he said the whoops are actually a lot smaller in Supercross than Arena Cross, and that surprises me. Did you find that to be the same, or, or is it just his perception? Yeah, I, I definitely think the whoops are a little bit smaller in Supercross. Um, I think Arena Cross, they're just kind of known for their big whoops. So it, it's definitely, um, I, I think the Supercross whoops are definitely a little bit smaller. But um, they, they can definitely build, build uh, some bigger ones, too, um, like they had in, um, I think it was Detroit. They... Um, they had some gnarly ones. I know a lot of the factory guys and privateer guys were really struggling with them. And you think, I mean, are the sections just longer? Uh, clearly, you know, whoops being taller in arena cross makes sense to me. You know, you, you don't want the, the racers to get too much speed on You know, I'm hand, going right? 50 into the yeah, wall. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Supercross, whoops, they're, I think they're definitely a little bit longer. Um, and then in arena cross, like you said, they don't want to get too much speed in them, but and then you have just a, such a short run to them, which makes them even bigger. is uh, is the hard part, I think, is just not having a run to actually hit them. Our guest is Luke Nice, and and Luke, I want to ask you with the with Feld making the announcement that Arena Cross is going away, and you guys are going to have to go through the Supercross Futures program. Um, what for us, for me personally, I think it's sad. That that there's so many markets that they're not racing and promoting motorcycle racing in and i think there's yeah. a big there's a big void in it for for the the industry however it's a business and they got to make money what were your thoughts on that do you think they did the right thing for not necessarily for their business but for for motocross or do you think there's a gap there there's a void um personally i i kind of like the rear cross even though when i did it i really struggled with it but i I, I like the arena cross part because I think it for amateur guys and for me personally, it really matured me and everything with going through that whole series and everything. Um, just getting the ropes of the tight little arena and all that and the fans and stuff and just uh, kind, kind of the chaos in there, but it, it was fun and I, I think they should have kept it personally because I like it more than, the Supercross Futures now of how they're all doing that and everything. But um, I, I think it was uh, better learning to do a ring cross than the actual Supercross Futures to me. Well, I, th I think that there was a lot of things they did wrong, but 
like the suitcase and and the reset that that ran Tyler out of the out of the arena cross and he didn't want to be a part of it anymore Tyler Bowers and and maybe nobody cared but us but and Tyler but I I think that uh he was always so surprised to what was in the suitcase that was <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what it was wasn't it okay but sorry. uh but but also that I think that the, what I think they did right was they kept it rolling and and you know and and it's we were bummed it wasn't in Des Moines but there was a lot of markets that it wasn't in that in the good old days we'd pack the place and it was just always kind of I don't know if it was the arenas that weren't you know like Wells Fargo you know they've got it and Scott you can maybe comment on this low ventilation system uh, if you can get that blue smoke going in there I gotta tell you there's nothing like it I'm talking about all the other well, stuff like hockey and basketball no, no, and all that no. crap believe me there's so much pressure on these buildings and that's their job is to keep them filled and to move a show like arena cross in and move it out you're looking at not just the two or three days of arena cross but you're looking at the prep day and and the cleanup day uh, or days mm. I get it but how many people are going to the basketball games and the hockey games and the the teams I announced for? Uh, 11, 12, and I'm counting individuals. Um, so I'm up to about fifteen hundred yeah. for. And for it's basketball. a once a year deal, you know. It's fifteen hundred people versus you're selling the place out. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's do hard to understand why the the economics aren't there, but clearly they weren't, as we've discussed plenty of times. Stone. I mean, they. Feld made their decisions based on data that they have. Too many Fox stickers on the back of the sh- of the <laughs> seats, and, and that'll do it. Get that you was in so trouble hard with to get the man. Off. Get you in trouble with the man. <laughs> I ever tell you my STP sticker story where they were on literally every locker door in yep. the school? Yeah, many times. Actually. Yeah, we it's can, a great story. It. it is. You have to tune in something. next week. We'll tell you the balance of it. <laughs> We've heard it, Luke. Thank you so much. No relation to Jared Meese, right? To, to Jeremy Neese or, or Jim Neese? <laughs> yeah. uh, we know who Jim Neese is. We, we know Jim. Oh, my God. You're so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke, thank you very I much for the time. Sponsors, who do you want to thank? Uh, KS Cisco, um, Triangle Cycles, Pirelli, or Pirelli, Breaking, Cycra, Mepimax, um, Soul Control, Thor, Bell, Scott, um, and uh, my mom and dad and just my whole family and everyone that's been backing me up. Uh, I really appreciate everything. Thanks, and, pal. Uh, thank you so much. Always good to have you on. Thank you, Luke. All right, American Storytellers coming up next. The host of Our American Stories. And you'll find him on a radio station near you, part of the Salem Radio Network. Also on our sister station, the mighty AM 1040 WHL. Our American Stories heard from 10 to midnight Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday. We'll tell you more and talk to Lee Habib after this. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Ryan Dungey, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, 
you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!